0: Papa is brought to you by Just Some Podcast Video. Dun, da, da, da. The views on this podcast are those solely of the host and do not represent the views or opinions of any other institution. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Echo. Hear clearly, care confidently. Learn more at EchoHealth.com. That's E K O Health.com. And use code PAPA. For 10% off the stethoscope of your choice. Nurse Papa. Nurse Papa. Welcome to Nurse Papa, a podcast from the heart and mind of a pediatric oncology nurse and father. In each episode, I take a deep dive into a story of parenthood, or I tackle a parenting question from one of my loyal listeners in a segment called Dear Nurse Papa. In either case, I hope to come out on the other side with a better understanding of what makes kids and their parents tick. In this letter to Nurse Papa, a father asks a question that so many other parents are asking, often just to themselves. Listen on to hear how I attempt to counsel a father who feels paralyzed by the current state of our world and the massive problem of climate change. But first, let's hear from my sponsor, a company that's helping to make doctors and nurses hear better. When I listen to little hearts and lungs at work, I use my 3M Littmann Core digital stethoscope, powered with advanced Echo Core technology. With the press of a button, the sounds I hear can be enhanced 40 times, from this to this. Learn more at echohealth.com. That's e k o health.com and use code papa for 10% off the stethoscope of your choice. Dear nurse papa. Dear nurse papa. I'm a father of two kids, a boy and a girl, ages 7 and 9. Our family has been through a lot since our two kiddos entered the picture. The kids have never been easy behaviorally, and our son has experienced some fairly serious chronic illness as well. Lately, though, their behavior has mellowed out, and we haven't had a middle of the night ER visit in over a year. Wow! Which is goddamn amazing. Oh, yeah! Nurse Papa, this time the problem is all me. I can no longer sleep at night. I will lay there pretty much all night staring at the ceiling while my wife snores next to me. As I become intimate with the drywall above my head, all I can think about is the sorry state of the world, and specifically, the climate crisis. It's always on my mind, and in a way it was not beforehand, even though I have followed the science for a while. Even in my waking hours, every pleasant thought that enters my brain is now framed by this slow-moving disaster. No! When I'm enjoying a good meal, I think of the eventual famines and food scarcity that climate change will cause. If it's a nice sunny day outside, I imagine the catastrophic weather calamities that are currently happening around the world, and which will certainly get worse. Um, what? Nurse Papa, I have such deep sorrow for this sad future which our kids will be inheriting, and it is making me absolutely miserable. What should I do? How do I talk to my kids about the screwed-up reality of their future on Earth? How do I talk to myself about it? Is there anything I can do to make a difference? And most importantly, how do I get a good night's rest? I am basically a zombie these days, and people are starting to notice. Sincerely, Night of the Living Dad Dear Night of the Living Dad, First, I must tell you that I absolutely love your pseudonym. Night of the Living Dad is just about the most perfect sign-off I have ever received from any parent listener, and it perfectly describes my precarious state of mind three out of the seven mornings of the week. I also have to say that your letter hit me in a new and uncomfortable way, because I truly relate to your fears. I also know so many other parents who have been struggling with the sad state of our world these days. This climate crisis has only added to that common emotional struggle for many of them. Let's be real. As a parent of two young kids, and even as a human being living on this crazy spinning planet we call Earth, you are entirely reasonable to be concerned. Scientists, economists, policymakers, climate activists, and so many other credible experts tell us that it will require a massive effort to address the current and looming climate crisis in a meaningful way. In that case, you may wonder just how the 197 distinct countries on this earth, which are now spewing CO2 emissions at varying degrees into the stratosphere, will manage to coordinate this effort. I sure do. There are many other much less pressing issues, poverty, hunger, and war for example, upon which we all have little agreement and even less resolve. Instead of putting on our big boy pants, taking a seat at the table, and building consensus on how to best move forward, some of us are starting new goddamn wars, which is one of the most CO2-intensive activities one could care to embark on. Oh, There is so much unrest and conflict happening in the world these days that it feels unfathomable that we will be able to adequately solve the problems of the future. To add to this grim picture, the most recent report from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change has called our current climate state a code red for humanity. Red is a bad color, right? I was hoping for something more pastel and calming like Robin eggshell blue. Is that possible for the next report, guys and gals? This report, drafted by 234 scientists from 66 countries, tells us that we are perilously close to hitting the internationally agreed threshold of 1.5 degrees above pre-industrial levels, and that many of the worst effects of climate change, such as continued sea level rise, are most likely irreversible. Global surface temperature has increased faster since 1970 than in any other 50-year period over at least the last 2,000 years, which, I must say, all sounds quite bad. Oh wait, did you write to good old nurse papa in hopes that I might cheer you up a bit? Hmm, while I do indeed plan to do just that, mostly through my innate charm and comically witty banter, I think we can both agree that ignoring the facts is not the way to go about it. Speaking of ignoring the facts, I find it very interesting that it is only just recently that this fear of climate change entered your consciousness in the profound way you describe. Why now? From personal experience, I have seen that when parents are up to their ears in the stress and chaos of caring for young kids, it's easy and perhaps even necessary to lose focus on everything else. It's often all hands on deck, And that sometimes means important things are put on the back burner in the process. From your description, it seems like you have certainly been overwhelmed during these last seven years. It makes complete sense that you shielded yourself from these existential concerns during a period in which you were simply trying to make it through the parenting day. Night of the Living Dad, let me tell you right now, in front of all my faithful listeners and from a father and nurse who has found himself many a time slogging along like a club-footed hungover badger in the dark tunnel of early parenting. Hello! Hello! I see you. I am you. And I will indeed do my best to help you. You have quite a few expansive questions here, so let's get to it. First, I'm so glad that you are now experiencing more domestic bliss than you once did. As a nurse quite familiar with pediatric chronic illness, I know how this trauma can impact your perspective as a parent and as a human. I'm also familiar with the suffering of children, and I'm ecstatic that your son is doing better than he once was such victories are basically my life's work there is a time in the life experience of every parent though when you manage to pop your tired head out of the vast desert of parenting to young kids and see the world anew that time for you is now unfortunately that new perspective is not always rosy and rarely is it robin eggshell blue dad you now have time to reflect and ponder the world around you and see plainly that many parts of that world kind of suck right now. This may seem like a bad thing, my friend, but it actually is not. Although it may be challenging, this opportunity to view our troubled world with eyes wide open, to see all the good and indeed the bad, will be your greatest superpower as a dad. It will help you to reflect outward and inward. It will allow you to play a critical role in the life and perspective of your children too. How you navigate this new state of mind will guide your engagement with your kids around climate change and also in dictating the life changes you might choose to make to address it. With that being said, Nurse Papa is just one small human creature navigating this land with you and I don't know everything. (gasps) I know, it's hard to fathom, but I'm far from perfect. Just ask my wife and kids. They'll tell you. I fart in my sleep and I am prone to frequent temper tantrums. And while I do have quite a few pearls of wisdom regarding your question, it behooves me to consult an expert who really knows what she's talking about. And that expert is a new friend of mine named Elizabeth Beshard. Elizabeth is an author, policy analyst, integrative health coach, mom of twins, champion ping pong player, and also an eloquent authority of the social, emotional, and psychological dynamics of climate change. Well, I may have made up the champion ping pong player part up, but what I did not make up is that just like you, Elizabeth went through her own climate crisis awakening as a new parent. Somehow, she came out on the other side of that existential journey with enough chutzpah and inspiration to write a book about the subject. This gem of a book which I read cover to cover in a single weekend is aptly named Parenting in a changing climate I will refer to Elizabeth's words of wisdom quite a bit in this conversation My first revelation from Elizabeth's book was the notion that our feelings around climate change are innately paradoxical as Parents we are aware that we may not be doing enough to make this world a safe place for our kids future at the exact same Moment in which we are trying to claim a sense of enoughness as parents in the present Of course elizabeth states it much more eloquently than i writing we're trying to figure out how to hold a complicated truth we are enough but we also need to do more we value preserving the environment for the sake of our children but we also value convenience and ease when we're exhausted from long days of parenting and that convenience is often delivered at the expense of the environment when it comes to climate change Many of us find ways to avoid looking at value conflicts altogether because seeing the reality of the disconnect between our values and our actions can be so painful. And Dad, as you already know, it is painful. Most parents can relate to this internal conflict. We understand that many of our lifestyle choices which are designed to simplify our current journey of parenthood are at the same time sabotaging the well-being of our kids in the future. In the first section of Parenting in a Changing Climate, appropriately titled, Pain, Bashard doesn't pull any punches with this reality. She laments how she can't bear to teach her kids to fall in love with a world that will inevitably break their hearts, but she still understands that this is exactly what she must do. You can check out from the reality of climate change, Dad. Many of us do. But there is a painful cost to looking away from your values that is very quantifiable. Your guilt about your carbon footprint, your anxiety over feeling helpless against forces greater than yourself, and for you specifically, Dad, your inability to sleep. The worst emotional consequence, though, according to Bouchard, is that when we shield ourselves from feeling pain about environmental loss, We also shield ourselves from feeling the full extent of how much we love what is or what could be lost. Oh, that statement just about killed me when I read it because of course, dad, it's oh so true. But what starts with pain can also transform into possibility. Dad, once you open yourself up to all the suck in the world, there is tremendous possibility to encounter it in a new and therapeutic way. And this is where your work begins. Set! Go! Once we help to reorient your perspective, we can talk about how you might best engage with your kids about it too. In the second section of Bichard's book, aptly titled, Possibility, she lays out a framework for how parents might best encounter all the stress, guilt, and emotional duress which many of us are currently facing. So many of us carry trauma as a constant companion, and one of the only ways to dismantle this tower is to face it and name it. Bouchard suggests that one very effective way to do this is through a practice called expressive writing. Expressive writing can mean many things, but the method which Bouchard touts, known as the Pennebaker paradigm, offers a series of four writing prompts designed to encourage deliberate rumination and perspective-taking about a difficult or traumatic event. One could easily spend 15 to 20 minutes on each prompt, But research has shown that even spending as little as two daily minutes in this activity can have therapeutic benefits. A unique aspect of these prompts is that it asks the practitioner to consider what has happened to them from an alternate perspective. Somehow, the act of switching roles offers a path to greater understanding of where we are coming from in the first place. Give it a try, Dad. Grab a pen and piece of paper and just see where it takes you some purposeful reflection might help you to engage with your anxiety in a new and novel way. To make your life easier, I have included a link for an easy to follow expressive writing prompt in the show notes. Thank you very much. Dad, it's impossible to predict the future and this can create a feeling of fear and anxiety, such as you describe when all you want to do is sleep. I invite you to remind yourself that among all the joys and beauty that our planet provides us, there are also many destructive and dangerous events which we must also accept even as we work to make them better we don't get to choose which we experience but we do get to choose how we react to both try to relax your grip on the present and the future notice when you feel both joy and fear in the now when you do become aware of an unpleasant thought such as climate change or anything else really don't run away from it instead Engage with it. To do this, you can try another technique called the body scan. This is a practice much like expressive writing, which may help you to reduce the tension you feel in relation to your anxiety. By noticing the discomfort which you are experiencing, you may actually find some relief. This technique can be used for any stress in your life. And it can be taught to kids too. I have been practicing this easy and accessible meditation for many years now, and it has truly helped to curb my reactive fears, allowing me to face them rather than react to them, giving me space to envision what is possible beyond the fear. Links to this practice are also included in the show notes. In her book, Bashard writes, It's too late, according to the most recent science, to achieve the best case scenarios for the future that were still possible a decade ago. That future is dead to us, but it is not too late to still imagine a future where we can thrive. We build the muscle of visioning in our everyday lives, weaving the fabric of our most private dreams. It's the vision of what we want in a partner that allows us to recognize that partner when they walk in the door. It's the vision of what might make us happy in our work that allows us to steadily craft careers that bring us to life, guiding us to say yes to opportunities that move us closer to that dream and no to opportunities that take us farther away. I'm starting to suspect that my most important job as a parent is to meet my daughter's radical imagination with my own. It's to practice envisioning the world she and all children deserve and letting that vision teach me how to do my part in bringing it to life. I'd like to just sit with this beautiful, stark, and altogether true statement for just one moment. Despite all the bad news all around us, it feels so powerful to be able to offer up a vision for how it could all be different, right? I love that because rather than ignore the bleak facts before us, Bashard proposes that perhaps we can use these same facts to envision a brighter future. But if all we do is envision a brighter future in our minds, it won't do the world much good, will it? Bouchard points out that even though so many parents are worried about the climate crisis, most of us are still not talking about it with our peers. There is a gap between our values around climate change and the way we talk about it. And of course, this gap leaves us feeling even more isolated. Hello? Hello? Dad, it's so important for you and every other parent out there who is losing sleep over sea level rising our warming world, and the loss of species everywhere to begin talking about these things, but don't simply harp about the many environmental disasters that are currently unraveling. We all see it. We all know it. This approach, known as disaster framing, simply does not have the desired effect. It inspires fear and cynicism rather than productive action. Instead, talk about why these losses matter to you. Focus on shared values and be curious about what values matter to those who you're trying to convince. Not only will this help you to feel less isolated in your concerns, but it will also help to build coalitions of like and unlike minds. It is the beginning of a movement. Attention, please! This brings us to yet another concern of yours, Dad. Talking about it with your kids. How do you even begin to talk with your kids about what is all going on here? Really, our most important job as parents is to prepare our kids for the world they will one day be adults in. Most of us can intuit that the disaster framing approach would be even less effective and more harmful with our kids. But how do you talk to a five-year-old about a warming planet? How do you speak about mass climate migration to a nine-year-old? What in the world do you say to your disaffected 15-year-old about habitat loss and the potential failure of our delicate food production system? About this delicate subject, Bichard writes, Our role in conversations with children is a little different than our role in conversations with other adults. With adults, the goal of the discussion about climate change might be to raise awareness and encourage active engagement with the issue. With our kids... We might have the same goals, but we also bear the added responsibility of nurturing their mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. We want our children to love the natural world, rather than fear it. Wow! Oh, Elizabeth, stop! You are just about killing me with your truth-telling and I can't take it anymore, but it's what I need, girl! Oh, yeah! What Elizabeth and so many other climate teachers tell us is that, with kids, The strategies we use to talk about climate change must be age-appropriate and child-appropriate. They must be tailored to each kid's temperament and developmental level. That being said, there are some smart guidelines for you to begin this discussion. Number 1. Before you even begin to talk about the birds and the bees, i.e. mass-pollinating bee colony death and habitat loss of migrating birds, try to process your own emotions around the subject. If you appear distraught and confused, your kids might be a bit scared, and the discussion will definitely go the wrong way. Number 2. If your child is under the age of 12, be attuned to indications that he or she is aware of the threat of climate change. If so, validate their fears and show interest in what they are specifically feeling. Ask open-ended questions. Meet them where they already are at by clarifying the facts as they understand them. Finally, present them with actionable choices that empower them, like walking to school instead of driving or buying locally sourced food and other products. Number 3. If your child is a teenager, you must start a conversation around climate change. They know all about it. Once again, meet them where they are and not where you want them to get to. If your teenager needs you to get deep, dark, and all Billie Eilish nihilistic about the prospects for a livable earth, you go there, dude. Live in their dark, twisted head for a bit. But try not to stay there. Introduce your teenagers to communities and friends who will foster, mentor, and encourage them to action. If they are inspired, help them to become climate activists for the future. For all these kids, foster a love for the natural world that will stay with them for the rest of their lives. Get dirty! Go for walks, poke at bugs, go camping and hug redwoods. Read age-appropriate books that teach your kids about all the amazing things out there in nature. Once they are hooked, they will implicitly know what they risk losing. They will begin to form values that will inform their future actions. And values are what we are all about, Dad. In the Nurse Papa household, we are doing a lot of that. My two kids are intensely interested in books about the natural world. We garden together and explore the outdoors together. We are all pretty much vegetarians at home, and we are raising sustainable bees and chickens for the local eggs and honey. We manage our water usage in this drought-plague state of ours too. It gets a bit divisive when I stick my head into the shower and yell, MEGA DROUGHT! to my surprised kids before they promptly turn off the shower. But they are getting used to my bluntness and fully understand the reason for it. I even accompanied my daughter and the rest of her first grade class to a student led climate protest in San Francisco. Take a listen. And now, Dad, to your last unanswered but certainly not least question. Is there anything I can do to make a difference? And the answer is most surely, yes, yes, yes. Climb to the top of a mountain and scream yes for all the world to hear. You are but one cisgendered man in one household, but there are so many meaningful steps you can take to play a part in stopping climate change. Number one, Elizabeth Bouchard will tell you that the first, easiest, and most important thing you can do to help is simply to vote. Many of the sweeping, systemic changes that will be needed to address climate change will only happen with the support of local, state, and federal governments. And that can only happen with elected officials who support strong environmental policies. So, support those candidates who have strong environmental platforms and endorse sound science. Volunteer for postcard writing campaigns during election time to convince on-the-fence voters. Vote for progressive female candidates. Research has shown that countries with more female politicians pass more ambitious climate policies. Number two. As much as you can, replace your gas-guzzling car transportation with forms of active transport, such as regularly walking or biking to work. Doing this will make you all healthier and reduce your carbon footprint in the process. Number three. What you put in your mouth is important. Buy local, sustainable food products. If you cannot give up meat entirely, reduce your portions of it and embrace a more comprehensive vegetarian diet. Keep food scraps out of the landfill by composting it, or like we do in the Nurse Papa household, give it to the chickens. Number 4. Lastly, be mindful of what you buy and where you buy it from. Listen to episode 27 of Nurse Papa called Buying Less for tips on this. Teach your kids how to reuse, upcycle, fix, and share everything. Teach them what it means to live in a circular economy and about the equitable distribution of resources. You will be doing them a huge favor. Wow, Night of the Living Dad. That was a lot, I know. You asked some important questions, and I hope I was able to provide some equally important answers. Thanks again to Elizabeth Bouchard and her amazing book, Parenting in a Changing Climate. What I covered was just the tip of the melting iceberg (laughs) of her book. (laughs) Love ya bunch, Nurse Papa. Goodbye. Dear Nurse Papa fans, please join the many thoughtful parents around the country who have written to Nurse Papa with their questions about the trials and tribulations of modern parenting. Send your letters to david at NursePapaTheBook.com and write Dear Nurse Papa in the subject line. I'm excited to read your letters. Remember, Nurse Papa is also a book. Within it, you'll find stories that might just change how you look at life and, indeed, parenting. Nurse Papa has been my labor of love, but it offers much more than my own perspective. You'll learn from the voices of seasoned nurses, some of my young patients, and these patients' parents, each adding their own personal perspective about love, life, death, and learning. Nurse Papa is now available for purchase on Amazon and other bookseller sites. Please consider picking up a copy and, when you're done, leaving a public review on Amazon, Goodreads, or anywhere else where people go to find meaningful books. Thank you so much for your support, and stay tuned for the next episode of the Nurse Papa Podcast.